Yes, you're wrong. The podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Welcome to Arrakis. <laughs> Who are you trying to be? I'm just being, you know, like a dune person on the planet being like, hello. <laughs> talk like that. Uh, no, they definitely did. There's a lot of um, the Baron the definitely roadie. talks like that. Well, okay. That's yeah. Okay. One character. Maybe I'm being him. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm here to. I'm I'm excited. We're finally getting to talk about Dune. This has been uh, long awaited. You did your research and read the whole book, so um, I guess diving into it. Did you appreciate the adaptation? Yes, I did. I really did. That I think this was sort of a weird situation though as far like I don't so I read the book a year ago because I thought that's when the movie was coming out and no sooner did I start the book than they pushed the movie back (laughs) to this year so I was like okay well shoot so some of the stuff in the book is a little foggy in my mind but or was before seeing the movie but as I was watching it I was like oh this is all coming back to me I remember all of this and really the the movie sticks very closely to the book like Mm. It is almost like scene for scene what happens in the book. The only difference is that the book has way more explanation and sort of like getting into the characters' headspaces. So all of these characters and sort of weird things that are happening, you sort of get more backstory on like why they're doing them, why they're important, how they fit into this world. Where in the movie, they were just like, we're just going through this, like boom, 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 boom. (laughs) And then also as maybe people know at this point, but I feel like it was very confusing in the marketing. This is the first half of Dune. It's like the first of two movies. And the opening title card says Dune Part 1, but nowhere in the marketing or advertising, I think, did it say Dune Part 1. Well, it hasn't even been approved for a sequel. (laughs) Right. So it is sort of like... (laughs) He's manifesting. I mean, I think based on... I guess the amount of exposure I've seen this get. Yeah, I yeah. think it should get a sequel, but yes, yeah. it's it is confusing. And I went and saw it with a friend who had never read the book and we got out of it and she was like, I had no idea what any of that was. Like I was so confused half the time. Like I didn't know who the characters were or like what they were doing. Um, so we had to go get coffee afterwards. And then I, for like 45 minutes, was explaining to her all of the weird things while she was asking me questions. So, <laughs> Well, did she like it? I think she was sort of like, it was very beautiful, but I was confused. And so then I sort of got tired and like unfocused during it. (laughs) Um, I don't know. What were your thoughts? Because you have not read the book. No, I have not. Rob read like the first 20 pages or something. Um, And then he got busy. But I I went into it blind. I didn't really know anything. I didn't read anything about it. Um, I really liked it. I thought... I enjoyed the weirdness of it. Like it was clearly, you know, so many people want to compare it to like, oh, Star Wars or, you you know, the next big space opera type thing. But I think it was interesting that it did feel more, I don't know, like 
Shakespearean or something where it was very much it was less about like oh look at these cool aliens look at this cool stuff and it was more about these characters and their weird interactions that you don't always understand but it was so beautifully done and and really well acted that it was sort of like oh I'm just along for the ride and I'm enjoying it and then on top of it it's absolutely gorgeous like it's just a stunning (laughs) achievement of of film and music and all of it I thought really worked together so yeah I I didn't like necessarily know anything going into it but I think the story for being so infamously convoluted and complicated and long and laborious was actually distilled in a really palatable way where I was like okay yeah I'm like following along like sure I don't exactly understand what Spice does but I can like allow myself to just go along with this ride and at the heart of it were these characters and their relationships and you're just kind of like okay yeah do I understand his like time traveling mind and dreams and all that no but I was enjoying the twistiness of each reveal and I feel like ultimately there were like slow parts where you were kind of forced to contend with the the strangeness of the source material and not having that as a as a background research point made it a little bit like uh what's happening but i think overall it surprisingly worked as sort of a standalone film but still made you interested in what else this world could do yeah I also, when I was reading it, had heard like, oh my gosh, it's so convoluted. You won't be able to understand any of it. And I was like, oh no, I think this plot is decently straightforward. It's just sort of the re- the world building that's yeah. very complex. And in this movie, for better or worse, I think they were sort of like, we're not going to do a ton of world building necessarily. <laughs> we're just going to sort of like push through. And if you don't understand some of these things that are happening on the side or some of these random side characters, then yeah. that's sort of like, okay, yeah, I'll just go for it. Because at the heart of the first first half of the book is basically this assassination attempt. So even though they're on a planet and there's all kinds of Star Wars-y sort of stuff going on, the story is pretty simple because it's just about all of these people in a palace and sort of this intrigue of like, who is betraying them? Is there a spy? Like who is, um, you know, what's going to happen to them? And there's this sort of sense of foreboding where they know that something's going on. They know that it's like not good, but they sort of don't know who or where or how it's going to happen. And then ultimately the book is basically the plot of the Lion King, you know, where (laughs) it's like the dad dies, the son (laughs) goes into exile, figures out things and then comes back and takes on the bad guy. So I see. um, So it's like one if you have that, it's like, oh, okay, this isn't like that complicated of a plot. Like yeah. Star Wars is a much more complicated plot, I feel like, if you actually had to describe it in like a simple way, where yeah. this is very simple. Yeah, I think a good reference point, like if you enjoyed Arrival, then I think you'll enjoy this movie because it's similarly like vibe driven and much more, it's just like stunning to watch. And on top of that, you're allowed to kind of get into these characters. And so you make, even if you can't follow along, like logically or understand every single person's motivation or background or why someone's name is Duncan Idaho, you're just like, oh, okay, this is fun. Like, we'll just, (laughs) we're just going to enjoy this and see where it takes us. And I think, you know, Dune has been made multiple times, right? I think um, it's never worked really well. But when they, 
Legendary Entertainment acquired the film rights finally in 2016, they wanted to get Dennis uh what's Villeneuve Villeneuve who did Arrival who did Blade 2049 to do it and he's very much in love with that story and the world building obviously and the more highbrow sci-fi um films in his background so I think it made sense and it ultimately worked and I think he made the right call and being like I'm not even going to try to make this one movie (laughs) because it is confusing in the fact that there's just so much to unpack and so I think it was it like all worked and I don't know if it could have worked before because clearly it didn't (laughs) yeah the I mean I really liked Blade Runner 2049. I feel like a lot of people did not love that, but it was a very, it was sort of both, both of the Blade Runner movies are kind of these slower, Mm. um, yeah, very like vibey sort of ethereal movies that are focused on the plot, but it's like, there's so much more going on than that. So I think that he was a really good choice for this because he has that mode. And especially since so much of, this movie is focused on this planet that they're on and this weird world that they're forced to live in. I felt like it worked really well to have him here as the director to, you know, with the, all the different spaceships and the sandworms and And the the caves and the mountains. And yes, (laughs) um, it all just like connected. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Cause I went into it kind of with like low, expectations I guess not because I thought it'd be bad but just because I thought you know Blade Runner 2049 not my cup of tea I don't always love these male-driven space epics but I really was just like swept in I think because they didn't bother with like a ton of exposition there was like a very brief two-minute sort of uh summary by Zendaya's character (laughs) in a voiceover one two of her seven minutes total in the film um that was all we got and then it was just like you're thrown into this like throne world and uh, all these like dramatic royals who are who are on the edge for some reason and you're just like ooh, what's happening like oh i love oscar isaac here like wow jason momoa can get it and like oh timothy chalamet now i remember why you're such a big star and it was a good <laughs> I enjoyed it. I think it worked because all these characters were so like mysterious. Um but I don't know why. I just, maybe it was just Oscar Isaac's soft brown eyes, but I was just like, man, uh, I love him. I want him to be happy with Paul forever after. Like what a good dad. And I was just I was on board from the get-go. The casting was very good, <laughs> I thought in this. Uh, yeah. The my only nitpick is that Jason Momoa, God love him, is a bad <laughs> I really actor. Liked him in this. Is a bad no, actor. No, I thought there, he was doing good things in this movie. He was do- he was great <laughs> when he didn't have to talk. His like seven <laughs> lines, I was like, Ugh. no, he's uh, see. Rob felt the same similarly to you because when we watched um, Aquaman, it's like he's over the top. It's like too much. It's clear he was hired for his muscles. But here I was like, oh wow. Jason's actually no, like talented. No, no. <laughs> I was on board. I mean, I might be biased because he was also looking really good, and that surprised yeah, me. Yeah, I think you were distracted. <laughs> I think you were distracted because and I also I was vibing with his name being Duncan Idaho. So I don't know why that was also intriguing to me. But the the 
I think another part of the problem for him in this film is that he's up against like real A-list actors. So it's like you're watching these actual good people deliver lines and then he has to deliver some lines of exposition and you're like, uh, we couldn't have given this to someone else. Like there was, no, he was get the, get the doctor in here, get the, you know, truly anyone. No, haters going to hate. I really, I mean, yeah, because the way they, honestly, the way they promoted this film was strange when you look at it after watching it. Because you had Timothy Chalamet, obviously, but also Zendaya. They were front and center all the time. I never saw a single interview like go viral or cross my TikTok or Instagram with Oscar Isaacs or um, Jessica. um, Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson. Like I never saw anyone else. Even Jason Momoa. I had no idea he was in this movie. Like all I've seen for the last year is Zendaya and Timothy. And I was frankly like, oh, man, I don't know. Timothy's annoying me with his, like, showing up in Harry Potter merch while Zendaya gets in her Balmain outfits. But then the movie started. I was like, oh, Timothy, you are talented. You are attractive. I remember why your star star quality comes out on screen more than it does in promotions. But what really stunned me is that everyone else was so good, too. Like, I... I really, obviously, Oscar Isaac's so talented. Rebecca Ferguson, love her. But like you said, everyone else was also having a good time. And that even goes for the bad guy who was disgusting to look at. And his, I don't know, magical floating abilities was strange to me. But I was still on board with watching all of these talents kind of interact and engage with the weird source material. Well, the weird thing about the, uh, before we get back to the Zendaya thing, which I also <laughs> want to talk about, the I, I feel like I need to bring up this plot line regarding the Baron. Um, so in the movie, yeah, he's like, uh, appears very unwell, uh, has some kind of like weird thing on his back that lets him float. It's sort of con- like, I, I was slightly confused by it. However, I think the reason why they had to make him so weird is because the whole thing about him in the book is just that he's like fat and eats a lot. Like it's like, Oh my gosh, so <laughs> disgusting. Cause he's fat. Oh, and no. obviously that does not work in 2021. So I think they had to sort of be like, okay, well we have to make him gross somehow yeah. and like kind of strange, but we can't just have him like <laughs> eating all the time like he is in the book so them. we're gonna have to like make this weird like okay he can float and he sort of like looks swollen and <laughs> yeah, like what's going on like, with um, him uh, uh mad max fury road villain guy oh yeah uh-huh yes just, like disgusting immortan joe yeah yeah mm-hmm. you're not quite sure why what went wrong but there's clearly some disease ridden flesh there <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um, But no, I mean, I think I've said on the podcast that I was confused about the Zendaya thing this whole time because people were saying, oh, it's going to be a two part film. And I was like, Zendaya is only in like the last third of the novel. She's not that big (laughs) of a character. I'm confused as to why she's all over this promo material (laughs) if she's not actually in the movie. But then I was like, maybe they changed it. So she's like in it earlier. no. They're keeping with the plot of the book. She's just sort of in some like dream sequences. Yes, it's very much your traditional, well, sort of a reversal, I guess, of the classic like man moping because he lost his wife and you get the shots of her spinning in the sunlight, the the veil catching over her eyes. Like it's very much like, oh, is this all Zendaya is doing this whole movie? But it's working because it's sort of like Paul's journey to kind of figure out what 
these dreams he's been having mean and if they're actually visions or fantasies or whatever. And so I wasn't like bothered by the lack of Zendaya, I think because it was clear that, you know, this wasn't all she was going to be doing, that it was eventually setting up for a film where she would be present. But Mm -hmm. I think um, a lot of people were confused because they're like, what why was she being the main face of this movie if she's not even in it? Like, I think someone counted and she's in it for six minutes and like 32 seconds. And (laughs) I mean, that's pretty impressive. Uh, Hopefully she was paid well because they were still trotting her out left and right for every single event they could. Um, So I guess that's to promote to the Gen Z crowd. I don't know. Yeah, I think that they were definitely aiming for like a younger audience with this. Yeah. The casting was very young and I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they were, while they, I'm sure will get the like, um, you know, 50 year old men who read Dune. Yes. I, I think that they were primarily going for, yes, people who are more in the millennial age <laughs> demographic, but the, I'm always fascinated by, um, like the billing order on these things. Yeah. And this movie has the oddest like lineup. And I just <laughs> am very confused as to like how these different stars sort of um like a maneuvered to get their places in the in the lineup here. Because it starts with Timothy Chalamet, which makes sense. He's obviously the lead. And then Rebecca Ferguson is after him, which also makes sense because mm-hmm. she's in the movie a bunch. And then Oscar Isaac is third. But then who do you think is number four? Okay, let me think of the cast here. I guess star power. I want to say Javier. <laughs> no, the fourth person is Josh Brolin. Oh, wow. Okay, see, Javier would have made more sense to me. Well, and Josh Brolin is only, like, yeah. he just disappears after the first half of the movie. And really, he only has, like, a couple Wait, of scenes. He's- He's oh, yeah, the yeah. weapons he's like teacher. The, yeah, he's the yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's Which his character is also strange in the book. He's a Gurney Halleck, and he's um he's like a uh sort of like a bodyguard, but also a musician. So there's a lot of scenes of him like like singing and stuff <laughs> in the book. So weird, honestly. <laughs> Finishing the movie, strange. I was like, oh, maybe I'll read the book. But then I read like parts about it, like the differences in the movies, and I'm like, you know what? I think this might be one where I'm just the person who likes the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you would probably find the book interesting, but yeah, I mean, it's basic. It basically is the movie. There's not that much difference. It's just a lot of just the backstory. Uh, yeah, on like the <laughs> Bene Gesserit and the sand and the why water is so important and those kind of things. Yeah. But so then after Josh Brolin, we got Stellan Skarsgård. Okay. Then okay. Dave Batista. <laughs> Bless his heart. Then Stephen McKinley Henderson, who is the guy from Lady Bird, the sort of like older. Oh, sort yes. Of, yeah, yeah. Yes. Then Zendaya. Okay. Then David Dalmatian, who is the, um, he's the spots guy from uh, Suicide Squad who was in this. He's like the assistant to sort of the Baron. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, he's in like Ant-Man and the Wasp, right? As one of the slimy yes. bad guys. 
then Shang Shen, who is the <laughs> doctor. The, well, no, because I'm getting the then Shannon Duncan Brewster, who is the other woman, and right. then we finally get to like the with and credits, you know, which <laughs> yeah. is like where they usually put the fancy people. Okay. So it's with Charlotte Rampling, who is in that one scene as the woman with the box and the veil, but okay. she's like a famous actress, and Jason Momoa. And Javier Bardem. How okay. did Jason Momoa get the like and <laughs> the like? Yeah, it's like he was in the movie a lot more than most of these people. Like, why wasn't he? I was just that like, is what strange. is going on? This is very confusing <laughs> to me. So, do you feel like it was clever to use Zendaya, or that they shot themselves in the foot because now people are like, where was Zendaya? I think they had to use Zendaya because there are literally no females in the book <laughs> i mean there's the mother and there's zendaya the, right. the other woman in the movie is not a woman yeah, in the book it's that. also a man <laughs> so i was like if they hadn't had zendaya in there it would have literally only been rebecca ferguson and i feel like they needed more even women. just a woman in the background just smiling yeah. slyly I mean, I'm sort of. I'm, I'm honestly surprised that they didn't change another one of the, of all of those advisors to a woman. It's like they could have easily done that. Yeah. I don't think like they changed one, but I'm sort of surprised that they didn't change more just because it was so lopsided in the book. Well, that's so what's interesting to me too. Is like, it's like this is a fantasy world. It's make believe. You, and yet every single soldier was a dude and it wasn't like it wasn't like oh this movie's dumb this needs canceled but it was just like a moment where i'm like why couldn't you guys just hire some like women to be your soldiers too like it's not it doesn't take me out of the movie to see women i wouldn't be like oh my gosh they're not strong enough like what are they doing it's like no you could have just cast some elite women soldiers just trolling in the background but there was none it was a very masculine movie and i I still enjoyed it. Technically, it passes the Bakdell test because they did change that one character. So congrats to them. Um, I do think it's leading up to have Zendaya be an interesting character in the next one. So, I mean, congrats. But it is weird that when you have control of world building and you can do literally anything, like the same thing happens in Star Wars a lot too. And it's just because there's this natural tendency where you, I don't know, you just send out your extra... uh, casting and you're like i need a soldier and so suddenly you have 400 men showing up i just it's little things like that where i'm like come on it's a fantasy world like let's let's see some women somewhere around there the the only thing that i would say on that front which i don't know if this is what they're doing but possibly is that the like sand people Mm -hmm. are much more scrappy and have a lot more women involved than Mm. the like imperial soldiers are so i'm wondering if they're gonna sort of like play with that more where in the second movie it's this group that yeah it's men and women and zendaya is real badass versus like these groups of like very mm. trained like all look alike male soldiers <laughs> Patriarchy, yeah. yes but that is very um uh, like i'm not sure that anyone's thinking ahead that much or making yeah. <laughs> that choice yeah well um as someone who read the book is, are there things that you wish they'd done better or differently or were you just happily pleased? Well, I 
am, uh, like, I really liked this. Having read the book, I understood everything and knew all of the characters. So mm-hmm. all of it worked for me. I think they made a very concerted effort to keep everything from the book in the movie. Like, the scenes are all the same, even though they don't necessarily explain them. And all of the characters are there, even though some of them you don't really get that much airtime and they're not that and you don't really know who they are. So I'm kind of surprised that they didn't cut some of this stuff to make it more streamlined or give them more time to like explain things. Um, So yeah, I mean, I don't know, like I really liked it. I feel like if I had been the screenwriter of this, I would have made more adjustments to it, but I like that they didn't at the same time. I guess it sort of, again, depends, like, are you trying to cater towards the book crowd or are you trying to cater towards just, like, general people? Mm -hmm. Because all of Oscar Isaac's advisors, I felt like we did not need Josh Brolin and the (laughs) doctor and um, Stephen McKinley Henderson and Jason Momoa. You know, it's like some of those could Mm -hmm. have been combined. I don't think we needed Dave Bautista and David Desmasian both as like the Baron's person, like even though those are two separate characters who have very different things going on in the book, like we really didn't get that in the movie. I think like the whole scene with the hand in the box, like I think like that's interesting, but doesn't really have anything to do with the plot necessarily. Like there was just a bunch of things like that where I was like, okay, like I liked that they were in there. I really liked this movie, but I think if I had been trying to make it simpler, I would have cut things. But mm, I don't. Yeah, but I don't hate that they didn't cut them. Right. Um, I, yeah, and I, I think like, it turned out well, so I liked it. Yeah, I, I kind of think if they had narrowed down the field, it would have been more like, well, wait, then take the time to explain it to me. Right. Because as it was, I felt like I was more willing to sit back and sort of watch this unfold because it felt like it was starting in media's res where it's like, yeah, oh, like all these people have their own background. Like, I don't understand the dynamics of this court or whatever, but it's like interesting to kind of peek in, listen in, see it unfold. And I, I think obviously a lot of that, like I think of why I wasn't as into like the latest Star Wars or how sometimes I get annoyed watching things like like Blade Runner where it's like, what is this world? What's happening? Whereas this felt so distant and far away and yet so wrapped up in in cultural aspects we're all familiar with, with like colonialism and you know, royal families (laughs) trying to kill each other, that it's sort of like, oh, okay, like this is just an operatic sort of, um, I'm trying to think of the word, but it's just happening in a weird place, but it's all sort of familiar. But I was curious, is the book like anti-colonial or is it just white (laughs) savior-y? Um... No, no, it's definitely not white saviory. I think it's I think it's anti-colonial okay. because the Fremen are definitely the people who know what's going on in the book. Like mm-hmm. they are not being saved. They okay. are the ones who are doing the saving. Like I guess Timothy Chalamet's character as sort of this like is he the Messiah? Is yeah. he the Messiah kind of thing? Like <laughs> the he, literal savior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like he, he does like lead them, but so much of the second half of the book is that is them sort of like whipping him into shape right. and getting him like ready for things because he just does not understand the world. Um, that, yeah, that I don't like, even though he sort of ends up 
kind of being in charge in some ways. I don't, I don't think that it, yeah, I think that the message is very anti-colonial, especially with the Harkonnens who are seen as like terrible <laughs> despots yeah, who are just evil. like sucking the, yeah. the spice out of land. Because you sort of get it in the movie a little bit, but it's much clearer in the books. That like this planet is a desert planet mostly because the emperor and the imperial people like won't let them kind of get their irrigation systems in right. order. Like there, this could be a very fertile planet, yes. but they won't allow it to because they need this spice for their like energy supplies. Yeah. So, um, and so the Fremen are trying to sort of like slowly, covertly collect whatever water that the planet has in these large like underground caverns so that then someday they can like overthrow the Harkonnens and then like make their planet green. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so I think it's definitely very anti-imperial in the books as well. Well, okay, next question. Why... Where does the name Duncan Idaho come from? <laughs> like, why is Paul Paul? Like, what's the I, story there? I don't know, because it, this is weird. It does have sort of a Game of Thronesy thing where it's like some of the names are very normal and then yeah. some of them are really strange. <laughs> and I don't, I'm sure that there's a reason for like, oh, well, they came from this planet and they came from this planet. But yeah, it's like you have the mom who's just like Lady Jessica, like yeah. very straightforward. But then you have like Gurney Halleck and <laughs> Thufer Hawat and then which are just like random made up things. And then yeah. you have like Duncan Idaho, which is just two <laughs> weird words put together. And then you have like Peter DeVries. You know, there's just so many like... It's strange how some of the <laughs> names are so normal and some of them are so bizarre. Obviously, it's like centuries in the future, but is it based in our universe? Like, is that ever addressed? Or because I was watching with subtitles because we're old and we have a baby who is sleeping, so we needed it. And it said, like, at one time, speaking Mandarin. And I was curious, like, oh, is that just because they didn't create a new language or is there. Um, is there a discussion that this is actually based in a very, 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 very far future where, where things like Idaho or things like Mandarin have stuck around? <laughs> um, I'm not sure, actually. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember from the books, like, any references to sort of, like, Earth or, mm -hmm. or any of that. Um, obviously, they're humans. I don't think that there's really aliens in the right. books that I remember. Um, but they do speak different languages because I think the Fremen are speak in a different language than the um than everyone else does but but like maybe it's lady jessica so somebody can like understand and translate right. for them um and then they sort of learn it i'm pretty sure that's a plot point mm. uh but yeah no i don't know exactly like when it is or where sort of in the galaxy and time and stuff yeah well i just really thought um, it was a beautiful film and it felt like big in a way that I haven't, you know, felt in a long time. Like it felt like it was exciting to watch something new to me. Obviously it's based on a novel, but it, it kind of like swept sweeps you up in this world and you're kind of excited to see where the next part goes. And obviously this is a multi book series. Um, is there any talk of it becoming like a multi-part film? Because I know they're doing a TV show that's sort of a prequel about the um, Bene, what is it, Jesuit? The Bene Gesserit? Yeah. Um, 
so all I had heard that the, was that it was going to be two films. Then someone told me yesterday that apparently there's talks to make it three films, like mm-hmm. to spread the last section out into two. But I will say this about the book. I enjoyed the first half of the book more than I enjoyed the second half. And I think Uh-oh. that's just me. I like the sort of like power dynamics, like power struggle assassination attempt a lot more than I liked the um, like we're living in the desert. We're riding worms. We're, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. I think the second part is much more straightforward and streamlined. And it's very much like, okay, we're building an army. They're building an army. Like, how are we going to, fight them off so i i feel like we do not need like if they could fit everything from this half <laughs> into the one movie i don't think we need two more movies well they could pull from the next books about well, right. sons and children See, and futures <laughs> i i haven't i have the second book like sitting near me and it's only like 100 pages or, or like 200 pages so i've been wanting to read it but i think that the series as a whole is more like chronicles of narnia than harry potter where mm. it's like it's all set in the same world but the characters it's not like all the same characters right. well and obviously a lot of the characters died in this and more of them <laughs> die in the second one but um but yeah i don't think I don't know if you could pull from the other books and necessarily get a lot of stuff about these characters. I think you'd have to like introduce new people, which I don't know if that's necessarily what they're trying to do. Right. So unclear. I, if I read the second book, which I do want to, um, I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, generally this has been a really successful film. It has like 83% on Rotten Tomatoes certified fresh. The audience score is also very high. People really enjoy it. Like Twitter is excited about it. Everyone's happy with it, which I think it could have gone either way, right? Like a lot of films like this can divide people. Um, I don't remember how its box office has been. I think it's been pretty good. Um, It was released on HBO simultaneously, which I think always takes a bite out of that. Um, but a lot of the word of mouth is, oh, you need to watch this on IMAX I mean, on the biggest screen possible. I, I saw it in like one of those Dolby surround things. Yeah. And I mean, it is gorgeous. Like oh, yeah. if there if there is a movie that you should see in theater, I mean, not saying like, oh, if you didn't see it in theaters, <laughs> you didn't get the experience. But like, you know, if you were picking a movie, like if you could only go to one movie in theaters, like I would go to this rather than seeing French Dispatch or Halloween Kills or whatever. Like it, this yeah. is such a beautiful spectacle that seeing it on the big screen with the sounds and everything yeah is more impressive than you know going to see a rom-com yeah <laughs> well Villeneuve himself was part of like I think early in maybe like earlier this year or late 2020 people were dismayed at this idea of movies going to streaming and never going to theaters again and he wrote that he's like um streaming can produce great content but not movies of dune scope um my team and I devoted more than three years of our lives to make it a unique big screen experience. Our movies, image and sound were meticulously designed to be seen in theaters. So um, sort of the same vibe as um, <laughs> who was it? Who was the director who got in trouble? Christopher Nolan? No, it was um, for the dumb movie. He was like anti-Marvel. Um, Scorsese? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was like, "Oh, you need this isn't what my film was meant to be seen on." I will say, we have a projector at home, so we saw it on a 
semi-large TV. And it was still mm-hmm. beautiful. And I would enjoy seeing it on IMAX, but, you know, life gets in the way. Right. So oh, yeah. I think you guys have a good excuse. <laughs> ultimately, it works. And I think having it on HBO means that I will rewatch it much more easily than I could going to a movie theater. And um, I think a lot of people were able to sit down and kind of see it if they hadn't been willing to shell out like $20 or $15 to go see a movie. And so I'll be curious to see if that ends up being the hindrance that... Um, Villeneuve was worried it would be because I think ultimately this is a movie that has benefited from word of mouth and obviously it's been a big budget film like everyone's been talking about it for over a year now but I think ultimately it it only helped bring people to the screen and maybe like I would be more motivated now to see it in theaters as well but I like that there is that option so I think you know Wonder Woman 1984 can complain about the (laughs) the release to hbo but i think this hasn't been hurt by it necessarily yeah i don't know it's so hard to gauge with all of these box office numbers like what is covid what is that that's released somewhere else on streaming what is that it just like was a good or bad movie to begin with um and then also you know covid changes like day by day week by week in different areas around the country so depending on which areas are sort of like being hard hit at the moment or like if we're on an upswing or a downswing i also think that impacts the movies um obviously something like dune i think they're probably trying to get in a lot of money internationally as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of things at play there. One thing I feel very certain about having watched it is that this will definitely be one of those movies that when you wake up on Oscar nomination morning, they're like, Dune leads the nomination count with like eight nominations or whatever. Like I, it was such a feat that I can't see it not getting, you know, like sound, visual effects, editing, directing, like all of those seem like a lock. This year, I can't remember if we've talked about this or not, but they changed the rules for best picture so that there have to be 10 films nominated where in the past it's been like anywhere from Mm -hmm. six to 10 and you sort of like don't know how many it's going to be. So I could, so I definitely think this will get nominated for best picture. Um, I thought, I, I do think it would be interesting if it won. We haven't really had a winner like this in a while. Um, like, or of a giant, like beautiful sci-fi thing, you know, it always goes to, I feel like in other directions, but (laughs) But yeah, I, I, I do think that this would be a stretch to get any acting nominations. Oh, really? I, I mean, just don't know if anyone had enough to do. Maybe yeah. the mom for supporting, but... Yeah. Like, I thought who, everyone was who would you get excitable it? to watch. I mean, I guess I wouldn't be mad if anyone got it, is what I'm saying. But I guess, yeah, maybe yeah. there isn't like a standout. Well, I thought I really enjoyed like um, Duke and... I thought he did really well. And it was like strange because like you said, I didn't have a lot of background for these people, but I very quickly cared about them emotionally. Like I knew I could sense right away that, oh my gosh, someone's going to die. This isn't going to go well. Like these people need to be watching their facts. And it was still like so sad to see the betrayals and the deaths and the sacrifices. And I think that speaks to the energy that the cast was bringing because they didn't have a lot of time to make me care about them, but I almost immediately did. Like, I think One. you talked about the, like, torture scene feeling kind of like, well, what's going on? I actually really like that, partly because of Rebecca Ferguson's, like, um, 
oh yeah sort of monologue meditation mm-hmm. happening during it and i think that was interesting and kind of compelling and the emotion that she was bringing when we didn't really understand why she was so freaking emo i was still like wow yeah. she's feeling this <laughs> mhm oh yeah well i guess that's the scene that sort of introduces the Bene Gesserit in the yeah. book. And so there's a lot of sort of, you know, backstory about like, okay, why they're doing this and who they are and what's the situation. And in this, we didn't get that necessarily. Um, so yeah, I mean, I again, loved the scene, thought it was very well done, but like the person I was with was like, I didn't understand that at all. And I'm confused why it was there. I will say this also about this movie. The, Attention to detail, I think, is just so strong. And the thing that I noticed is that in the first half or in the first part when they're on Kaladin, their home planet, um, before we ever get to Dune, it's like the whole thing about Dune is that there's no water. There's so little water that they have to like reuse their they have to wear these suits that reuse their like sweat and tears and such and put it back into water because they just like don't have enough to use that um mm. or to lose that but that every single scene that was shot on Kaladin there's like water everywhere like mm-hmm. the the whole scene where the people come in off the plane and sort of do like the ritual announcement the ground is like concrete mm-hmm. but it is wet like it has rained they're in the mist there there's water there's like cups of water there's yeah. plain, like everything is so water focused and I think it's like, like, that's not something that necessarily you would notice, especially if it's the first time you've watched it and that like juxtaposition. But I was like, clearly when they were making this, they were like, how can we put as much water as we can into these scenes to the point where it's like the ground's wet, the air is wet, the cot- like their hair is wet. Um, so that then when we go to the Arrakis portions, it's just like dry, dry, dry. Yeah. No, it was definitely like visually very rich, like every detail mattered. And um, that included just like (laughs) dry, dry desert. Like it felt like there could have been cheats where he didn't have to make it as epic or make it as detailed or make it as like stunning. But he always did. And like even the sandworms and the distance and whatever, like everything about it worked to make it like a very visually um, tense movie. and. Yeah, I I just like loved every detail. And I feel like that's why I walked away appreciating the movie a lot too, is that it felt like everyone involved cared about it. And um, that went down to Hans Zimmer's score and all uh, the, the it was score just like, was everything so was beautiful. Good. The costumes, all of it worked. The, the score was incredible. I, I was just like, this is fantastic. And I feel like Hans Zimmer sometimes is like too much. <laughs> Over the top. But yeah. I felt like this was perfect. And even like how there's one scene where there's like a bagpiper and I'm like, I don't, I don't know why exactly, but he's there. And then how like bagpipe was in the score and other places after Mm -hmm. that, I was like, that's really smart. The costumes were incredible. Like everything Lady Jessica was wearing. I was like, yes, more of this, please. Like iconic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I hope this gets so many Oscars. Like it, it feels like the year that Mad Max was up, like how Mad Max just mm-hmm. swept all of those different categories. And this, again, is like a sandy sci-fi movie. But also, I don't know, this, I love Mad Max, but this felt even like more epic than mm-hmm. that did in some, in a lot of ways. Because that's, 
that's that's also an epic but it's you know set like in a very specific place it's like one race yeah. sort of on this road yeah. where this is like Much this grand practical. thing yeah. yeah more characters more things going on um and it's not an action movie necessarily as much so yeah yeah i loved this no i'm i mean the weird like thopper helicopter grasshopper i mean dragonfly oh, yeah. things like everything was really interesting and um I'd be excited to see a next one just because I think he did establish a really interesting visual world. And then on top of that, we have some characters who needs, who have some explaining to do. So yes, mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I'll, I'll be shocked if they don't approve a second one. I think this has been so well received that it's probably a matter of how many versus if it'll happen. Yeah. And how much money he yeah. gets and that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't see them not making a second one, especially with how well it did and how, how much it's going to be in the conversation too, because I think that like, if you just look at sort of the movies that are coming out next, there's not anything that's really in Dune's (laughs) caliber for a while. And I think with the Oscar conversation, people will be talking about this movie into February, March. So like, I think there's a lot of runway here for Dune to doing it again. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So now later or absolutely never. (laughs) I think this is clearly a now. Yeah, for sure. It was a it was a good movie, and we haven't gotten a lot of those lately. Hmm. Um. One other thing that I just like randomly uh, ass- well, I guess do you have any <laughs> do you have any other questions about like anything that happened in the movie? Not that or, I like, remember from like the book or anything. Okay. Um. No. Uh, is there something I should have noticed or asked? <laughs> no, no. I was just wondering because I felt, I feel like it is like, there is just so much random stuff that's just like thrown in there. I guess um, I've been reading so much sci-fi that I'm just okay. sort of like, well, whatever, like things happen yes. and there's no real reason. Like well, I'm like, you've been, yeah. if you've been reading so much sci-fi, I feel like you should read Dune. I really I enjoyed know, it. I, I mean, it's like, long, but it's also like what's that? Like a week and a half trust. for you? <laughs> It's hard to trust like a book from the 1950s for me. You know what I mean? Like I just, I have, I just like don't know if I can take that masculine um, perspective like for so many pages, you know? I don't trust it. I will say that there is a whole plot line in the book where, um, so the intrigue about who (laughs) is trying to do the assassination attempt is much, there's a lot more of that in the book where all of these sort of advisors and stuff know that someone is Mm. clearly like uh, betraying them but they can't figure out who it is right um and there is a section where of course some of the men think it is lady jessica because she is you know the only woman in the group so it's like ah obviously must be her (laughs) so that that probably does not uh age well yeah i mean that's the thing is i really enjoyed this movie but I felt like this movie was exactly what I needed and exactly as much as I needed that to have mm-hmm. like a hundred pages of people's inner thoughts and conversations about, I don't even know. Like, it just seems like the energy people put towards like, oh, the book is a slog isn't necessarily making me think, well, now that I like the movie, let's go back and fill in the blanks. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah. someone distilled it for me and I'm going to trust his vision. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I do sort of want to watch the old version just because oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've seen so many people on Twitter be like, um, actually, the uh, the David Lynch version's better. And it's like, I find that hard to believe. So yeah. I would like to go back just so I can <laughs> yell at those people. Uh, yeah, well, I, I wish you well on that journey. Um, you'll have to report back. 
Um, but also, I have so much time that I, you know, clearly I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, definitely you get love to a that good movie moment. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, I'm not sure what we're doing next. Oh, Eternals is that is that what we're doing or did you? I find d- I don't else? think Eternals is out for a little while. It's November fourth. Oh, so that's oh two we weeks. so the, yeah that's two okay. weekends away. Okay, well we'll have. To I'm not sure what comes out happening. next weekend. So there's got to be something. It's Halloween. There's there's yeah. some kind of movie that's coming out. I'm yeah. sure. It will Another finally horror do a Squid movie. Game episode. <laughs> oh god, I still haven't started Squid Game. I'm Get bad. I um, know. The well, nine episodes, it's really like, and I feel like I'm past the moment. I, I don't, yes. Okay. I'll try. We get a lot of DMs about it. To find a lot. I mean, at least two. And that's like, <laughs> you know, when you don't That's get a, a lot, lot for us. DMs. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. We're exposing ourselves yeah. here. Um, okay. Well, this was great. Follow us on social media. Leave us a review. Follow us on Patreon. Buy our merch. All the different things. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.